your Bible, go with me to the book of Galatians, chapter number 6. The book of Galatians, chapter number 6. And uh, we're going to read a couple of verses there. Then I'm going to take another text from 2 Samuel, chapter number 21. <clears throat> Galatians, chapter number 6. And then 2 Samuel, chapter number 21. If we have time, if we have time, I might take you to another place, but we will see. Galatians, chapter number 6. And verse 6. Before we get into that, I want to tell you real quick about next week. Next week, we're starting a brand new series. Brand new series. I'm so excited about it. Um, and this is why we're doing this. Because I don't believe it is God's will for us to just be prosperous in our prayer life or in our study of the Bible. I mean, I know Christians that will pray all day long, but mean as a snake. Am I the only one? I call it grumpy holiness, right? Holy, but mean as the devil, right? Pray their face off and broke. <clears throat> Pray their face off. So what I believe God wants us to do is I believe God wants us to prosper and be blessed in every area of our lives. Amen. Can I get an amen from somebody this morning, trust me, we've been here a lot longer than you have, up in the rain, all right? God wants us blessed in every aspect of our life. The relationships inside the church should be a glaring testimony and witness to the world around us of the greatness of God. The prosperity and the blessing that the people of God walk in should be a glaring testimony to the greatness of God. And I already know people say, so you want them prosperity preachers. You can preach poverty all you want. I'm going to tell people God wants them blessed. I'm going to tell people he has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. I'm going to tell people God wants you to be happy. God is as happy as he is holy. And the church needs to be as happy as she is holy. So next week, we're starting a brand new series. I'm so excited about it. It's one of my most favorite things to talk about. We're going to talk about relationship goals. If you are married, this is for you. If you are single but believe in God for Boaz to show up at any point, this is for you. If you hate men or you hate women, come to the altar. Get born again. And then come hear this series because it will challenge you and bless you. We're going to talk about all kinds, of, all kinds of issues in marriage. Men, listen to me. We're going to talk about your favorite marital topic. We all know what that is, right? I'm going to have you shouting. I'm going to have you running. Back in the old church, if you were preaching good, people used to take money out of their, out of their pocket and run up and throw it on the altar. You're going to be throwing up offerings. We're going to talk about your favorite marriage topic. Everybody knows what that is. What is it? Communication. We're going to talk about your favorite marriage topic. What were y'all thinking? God, get saved this morning. I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. We're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. But before we do that, I want to finish this series that we started a couple of weeks ago called Roots and Wings. Roots and Wings. Grab your Bible. Go with me to Galatians chapter number 6. Galatians chapter number 6. And we're going to start reading with verse number 6. I'm reading out of the old school King James Bible because I'm 35 biologically, but in my soul, I'm about 85, and so this is the book I like. This is the translation I like. Chapter 6, verse 6, book of Galatians, let him that is taught, everybody say, that's me. Don't, don't, no, don't, don't whisper, don't whisper. Everybody say, that's me. 
Let him that is taught, say that's me. Let him that is taught in the word communicate back, give back to those that taught him in all good things. Let him that is taught, that's me, in the word communicate back or give back unto him that teaches in all good things. Be not deceived. We quote verse 7 and 8 all the time. Quote it completely out of context. That's very much beside the point. But listen to the text in context. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we do not faint. Let me read all that. One more time. Let him that is taught in the word communicate back to him that teaches in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we do not faint. Now flip over to 2 Samuel chapter number 21. 2 Samuel Chapter number 21, I'm going to read two verses there real quickly. 2 Samuel, chapter number 21, verse number 15. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. If you don't know what that means, it means he got tired. Brother was wore out. He fought against the Philistines, and David waxed faint. And Ishbibinab, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he was girded with a new sword, and he wanted to kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, succored him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go no more out with us to battle that you quench not the light of Israel. You don't go out with us anymore to battle, that you quench not the light of Israel. Amen. You know, the primary uh, illustration in the New Testament that your Bible uses to describe the church is that of the body, right? We are the body of Christ. Paul even says, if everybody were an ear, where would the the smelling be? If everybody were a nose, where would the sight be? We are the body of Christ. And for years in church culture, we have emphasized the responsibility of headship or leadership to feed the body. As a matter of fact, you will hear people make statements like this. I'm not going to that church anymore because I'm not getting fed, right? First of all, once you make that statement, you've already communicated your own immaturity. This is how we talk at Hope Unlimited, all right? I have a 15-month-old. I dare you to try to feed him. He'll rip your arm off and beat you with the bloody end of it. Make a mess, but even he knows it's not your job, Dad, to feed me for the rest of my life. 
At some point, I've got to grow, open my Bible, and learn to feed myself. At some point, I've got to grow, find a prayer closet in my house, and go get in the presence of God for myself. I'm afraid we have trained up a group of codependent Christians because they want God to do for them in a church service what they're unwilling to do for themselves every day of their life. I'm not getting no help from anybody this Sunday morning, but it's still the gospel truth. Now, I, t- I called this message Roots and Wings for this purpose. I have noticed this, this crazy trend, this, this overarching mood in the church where getting planted in the local church, getting planted in the house of God, it's not really in vogue anymore. It's not really people's way. It's not really the way people do things. They prefer to shop for churches the way they shop for cars. And I can tell you how to grow your church. Grow your church by offering the hottest cup of coffee in town or the best tasting donut in town. Right? And we will frequent a church like we frequent a restaurant. See, this, we're pretty much breaking all of the church growth rules. Number one, we in an ugly school in Jesus' name, and everybody knows it, right? We put lipstick on this bad boy every week, right? We had five, count them, one, two, three, four, five worship songs this morning. Five. Most churches say, don't go beyond three, brother. Don't go beyond three. Give them 12 to 15 minutes. I'm not trying to give you the drive-through version of the Holy Ghost. I'm not trying to give you the quick and easy McDonald's version of the presence of God. I'm looking for a day where we sing one song for two hours because God's presence has so filled the room that he doesn't want us to do anything else. Come on somebody roots and wings now the fact that you know you're clapping I know I'm talking to the right group of people amen roots and wings and, 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 and this is the disclaimer I've given every week when I've preached this and I want to give it one more time when I preach this morning about you getting planted in the local church I am not telling you to get planted in this local church I am telling you to get planted in the local church, wherever God tells you to get planted. If God tells you to get planted in this church, welcome to the family, brother. Let's do this for Jesus. But if God's not telling you to get planted in this church, we're glad you came. Now go find where God's called you to put down some roots and go through the process of becoming everything that God's called you to be. You cannot get to promise without process. And part of the process is getting planted up in a house where God's told you to get planted and you don't move till God tells you to leave. Come on, Solomon, help me out. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? Those that be planted in the house of the Lord, David said, will flourish in the courts of our God. And we have all of these people with all of these ministry aspirations but can't serve a local church for more than five minutes. It doesn't work that way. You don't get to shortcut the process. When you try to shortcut it, you actually elongate it. And there's something that happens to people when they see other people doing what they feel called to do. It It makes it look easier than it really is. 
When you see people doing something mighty for God, when you read all of those books about those great revivalists, healing the sick and raising people from the dead and casting out of when you read all that, it makes it look easy. It causes us to miss the process that you had to go through to get there. You want me to tell you why? Because we live in the Instagram version of reality, not real life. Instagram's a lie. It's a lie. Okay, let, let, me, let me show you how this goes down. Y'all think we don't know this, how it goes down, this, how it goes down, right? I see young ladies do this. Post a picture of the, a selfie. Whatever that is. A selfie. I have not, nor will I ever. I have made a covenant with God. I am not taking a picture of myself and posting it on the internet for people to see. There's not much there to see. I remember the first time I started seeing selfies pop up, it was these young men taking pictures of themselves in bathroom mirrors. They're like, like, Something about that not right. Okay? We lie. We lie. A girl takes a picture of herself, and, and she's trying to make us think like she took that picture on the fly. You and I both know you parked your car, touched up your makeup, fixed your hair, plucked your eyebrows, took 49 versions of that picture, different angles, got the double chin tucked back, and then posted it with something stupid like hashtag busy day. I'm going to create a new app. I'm going to call it Realogram. You roll out of bed, take your picture, and post it. Whatever happens, happens. Then we'll see how many likes you really got. If I did that, people would be like, my God, what happened? He'd get kicked in the face with a, by a horse. What happened? We live in the Instagram version of reality. Right? We don't live in real life. We judge our behind-the-scenes footage against everybody else's highlight reel. Because posting the process on Instagram ain't sexy. I got preacher buddies. They do this all the time. They do it all the time. They preach at that one big conference every year. I know their schedule. I know the churches they're preaching at. I preach at some of those same churches. But they preach at that one big conference every year. It's got 800 people in it. And you know what they're going to do? Bless God, they're going to get the iPhone out. And they're going to get that selfie. They're going to get that selfie. It's going to be that, that full crowd. And they're going to get in the, in, in the corner of the picture. And they're going to, boom, snap it. And they're going to put someone there like, boom, hashtag, love my job. And I'm going to be like, where was that church you preached at last week? Oh, they didn't make it on there because they only had 75 people and you didn't want nobody to see the process that God took you to. You hearing what I'm saying? You don't get to bypass the process. Don't want people to see the process, right? Your, your girlfriend posts pictures of her and her husband in Paris on vacation and you get mad at your husband. Right? What you didn't see was the depth free thermometer they put on the refrigerator believe in God every week to get to that place you don't get to bypass the process you don't get to bypass the process so the Bible teaches that <coughs> we are the body of Christ and we've taught for years that as leadership in the church it is the church's responsibility to feed you the word of God and there is a modicum of truth to that I believe that it is my job to feed you the word of God to open the book and show you something that you've not seen before that is my job it is our job as a church to provide a place of worship for you a place for you to encounter the presence of God it's, it's our job to provide a place for, for your kids to encounter God and hear about the beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ it's our job that if you're in a hospital somebody come by and visit you and send you 
flowers and cookie food. Is all oh, that's the job of the church. I get that. I get that. I get that. But what we have not taught is the reciprocal responsibility of when you get planted in a house. Again, I'm not talking about this house. I'm talking about wherever God tells you to go to church. It still applies. What we have not taught is that once you get fed, once you get taught, then you have to turn around and communicate back, give back, feed back in every good thing. Sometimes churches are not feeding people because those people are not feeding back into the church. And God is locking you out of what you have refused to honor correctly. I'm preaching better than you shout. I'm telling you right now. I don't know how y'all do church in Knoxville. I'm still trying to figure this city out. But where I come from, we don't, we don't, we don't stay quiet. It's not a museum. It's not a library. Let him that is taught in the word communicate back to him that teaches in all good things. Now, I'm going to tell you, uh, this, is, this is probably not wise, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. There is, all leaders think this way, okay? And I'm just going to tell you the way it is. There are some people that when they show up to church, when they walk in the room, you feel strengthened just by their presence. You're like, yes, Solomon, young man down here, when he shows up every Sunday, he's just like, yes, he's there. He's, he's, he's got a good attitude. He's ready to work. He's ready to serve. He's ready to pour out because he believes God's put something on his life and he wants to go through the process of becoming everything God's calling him. People just walk in, you're like, oh, it just makes me feel good to see that they are here. Glory to God. Just, yes, they are here. Then there's other people. That when they walk into church, the leader says to himself, oh God, what are they going to be like today? Are they going to cuss somebody out in the parking lot? Are they going to be ready to lay hands on people and pray for them? You never know. Let me say it another way. There are two kinds of people in church. Those that can carry weight and those that are weight. I clap for myself. If I had some cash, I'd give myself an offering. It's, you talking right. Huh? Paul says another place in the book of Hebrews, he says, you come up under the church, the leadership that you're a part of, and you do so with humility and with a proper attitude so they can lead you well because if you are a grief to them, it is unprofitable for you. Unprofitable for you. So Paul is painting this picture that when you are planted in the house, when you are planted in the house and you are being invested into and you are being poured into and God is using that place to touch your life. God is using that place to speak truth to you. God is using that place to speak truth to your kids. God is using that place to pray for you and cover you. Then the responsibility comes on you to then turn around and give back and pour back into that place every good thing. Not because that place needs you, but because you you need to obey the principle of reciprocal responsibility. You communicate back in all good things, in your service, in your support. Oh, my God, I'm about to cuss. In your money. 
Tithing is still biblical. Let me say it for the people in the back. Tithing is still biblical. And I know it's not popular, and I know you're not supposed to talk to people in the church about money. I'm not talking to you about money because we need your money. I'm talking to you about money because you need to get into the order of the kingdom of God. I told our new members last week, if you don't give into the church, that's fine. We'll go fishing and pull some money out of a fish's mouth to pay all of our bills. I'm not saying this for us. I'm saying this for you because you don't break God's principles. God's principles will break us. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's why when you find over in 2 Samuel, watch this. Over in 2 Samuel, your Bible says that now David is an old man. And David is going out to fight the Philistines. David has already fought this battle once. He already killed Goliath. Now he's fighting Goliath's brother. And the Bible says now that David is on up in age, it says that he goes out to fight Goliath's brother. And it says he grew tired. And he grew faint. And then they fight the battle. Abishai, one of David's mighty men, stands up, kills the giant for David. And then he turns around and looks at David and says, don't you come back out here anymore. You let me fight this giant because you are the light of Israel. And God is speaking to the nation, but David, he's speaking to the nation through you. And if we lose you, if we lose the leadership, if we lose headship, then we lose. And whoever your pastor is, this is what I'm challenging you to do this morning. You walk back up into that church that God's called you to be a part of, and you tell him, whatever giant we got to face today, don't you worry about it, man of God. I'll face that giant. This is not your job. This is my job. I need you to get before God and hear God for where we're going, and I'll take care of all this stuff. I'm, I'm preaching that. I, I grew up on this stuff. I grew up on this stuff. And this is a completely foreign concept to people in church today. Completely foreign. Pastor didn't call me. Pastor didn't call me. Yeah. He's in it for the money. I ain't taking any money. This church don't pay me yet. I ain't taking any money. I ain't in it for the money. I had a good thing going for. I moved up here. I was fine. I lived on a farm with farm animals. Now I live in an apartment. President, President, let my President, let my daughter sing. My daughter didn't get. A, I say I'm now about to get in the flesh. My daughter didn't get to dance on a dance team. My son didn't get to dance on a dance team. Your son doesn't have talent. <laughs> Felt that come at me, and I pushed it right back. Somebody needs to tell him. You know why I don't sing? Cause I can't. You know who told me that? My mama, my wife, my kids, all my friends, strangers, acquaintances, people I don't know, all told me. They don't let me sing. They don't let me preach. They don't let me preach. That's right. That's right. Get planted. Let God process you. Because if you've not been processed yet, you don't have anything to say anyway. Real ministry, look at me. Real ministry comes out of you having passed through the fire of some tests and some trials. And you come out on the other side and say, this is how God brought me through. And this is how God's going to bring you through. God he wants to process you. 
I used to run a Bible college down in Hamilton, Alabama. Ran, ran the school there for years. A lot of these people you see on the stage are former students of mine. And we have stories for days. A lot of them are former students. I would have 17-year-olds fresh out of high school, a GPA of negative eight. Right? And they would say things to me like this, Pastor. I'm an apostle. Called to be an apostle. Like, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Listen, apostle. <clears throat> what we need right now is we need somebody to cut the grass. I know you want to plant a church, but cut the grass. I want to introduce you to a fidget spinner. It's called a weed eater. That's the original fidget spinner. Okay? And get processed. So David's mighty men, they're saying, listen, you're not going to fight this battle. You're not going to fight. We need you to get before God. We need you to hear the voice of God. We need you to tell us what the next step is, what the next place is. And as your mighty men, we will fight these battles. What if people in church had that mentality today? What if they did not have that consumer mentality? Feed me, feed me, feed me, give me, give me, give me. What if they walked into church saying, what do we need to do today? Who's coming in today that needs deliverance? Who's coming in today? What marriage today needs healed? Because I've been prayed up all week long and I've been seeking God all week long and I think I've got a word for somebody who's going through something and I'm ready to kill this giant. What if? Can, can, can I show you one more story? Can I show you one more story? I'm going to anyway. Go to second. Go to First Chronicles. Go to First Chronicles real quick. First Chronicles. I love David's mighty men. I want to show you another story from David's mighty men. Show you another story. Y'all with me this morning? I said y'all with me this morning. Y'all mad because I said your son couldn't dance. He's got he's got a gift. Maybe not that one, but he's got one. First Chronicles chapter 11. First Chronicles chapter 11. First Chronicles chapter 11. <laughs> See, I had dreams. This is one of some of the worst. This is some of the worst advice we give young people. You ready? If you can dream it, you can do it. That's not true. When I was 16, I dreamed of going to the NBA. I'm 5'9", white, and pudgy. And I'm so glad somebody told me, you need to quit sleeping with your basketball. Start sleeping with your Bible. Because you're not going to do it. This little side note. First Chronicles chapter 11. I've got people mad at me. They're going to meet me out in a guest soon. We're talking about, don't you talk about my baby. I love your baby. I do. I do. First Chronicles chapter 11, verse number 15. First Chronicles chapter 11, verse number 15. Now three of the 30 captains went down to the rock to David into the cave of Adullam. And the host of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the hold, and the Philistines' garrison was then at Bethlehem. Watch this. David. Listen to David. And David longed and said, oh, that somebody would give me to drink. David was from Bethlehem. You have to remember that. David longed and said, oh, that somebody would give me some water to drink from the well at Bethlehem. The Philistines are in Bethlehem, David. How about we hook you up with some Dasani? 
some Evian, some Perrier, some Voss. David said, no. Y'all like, what's Voss? What? what? <laughs> oh, that somebody would give me something to drink from the water of the well of Bethlehem that's at the gate. And three of David's mighty men broke through the host of the Philistines, got in a fight over a bottle of water, and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem. That was by the gate, and they took it, and then they brought it to David. And David would not drink of it. Now, at that point, me and David would have a problem. But he poured it out to the Lord. And he said, my God forbid it me that I should do this thing. Shall I drink the blood of these men that have put their lives in jeopardy? For with the jeopardy of their lives, they brought it. Therefore, he would not drink it. These things did these three mightiest. And Abishai, the brother of Joab, he was chief of the three and lifted up his spear against 300 men. Abishai, breaking it off 300 men, killed them all. And he had a name among David's three mighty men. Of the three, he was more honorable than the two, for he was their captain. Listen to what he is teaching. The man of God said, I just want a drink of water from Bethlehem. And the mighty men said, if that's what we need, then that's what we will accomplish. Instead of looking at you, asking you, where's our water? Where's our food? Where's our place to stay? Where's our tent? The man of God said, I need some water. And they said, we're your mighty men and that we're going to go get everything you need because that's why we're here. We are planted up under this leadership. We are planted. We have put down roots up under this house. And whatever this house needs, that's what this house is going to get. That's what makes you and that's what makes me mighty. Not your ability to preach, not your ability to sing, but your ability to serve and your ability to fight some giants that nobody else wants to fight. I came to Knoxville trying to find somebody that doesn't just want to go to a cute church for 50 minutes a week. I came to Knoxville trying to find somebody that says, you give me a devil to fight. You give me a giant to fight. You give me an enemy to fight. What you need, pastor? You need chairs set up. You tell me where the chairs are. Oh, we ain't got chairs. I go cut down a tree and make a chair. What do you need? What do you need? What you need? That's what makes you mighty. You can call yourself a you can call yourself apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, bishop, elder, deacon, cardinal, pope, archbishop, whatever you want. Get all the titles. Get them all. But can you serve the house God connected you to? Can you serve the house? Can you serve the house? I have learned this over years of being in ministry, years of being in ministry. The people that complain the most are usually the people that serve and give the least. I've never had somebody leave my church that was a consistent tither because you won't walk away from what you're invested in. And we call all this stuff church growth. Church growth. But the moment somebody's got pink sprinkles on their donut, when you had chocolate, they out of there. Y'all know, know I'm telling the truth. I don't know why y'all, you stay right there. I'll be on your row in just a second. Huh? Y'all know I'm telling the truth because we've not, be, we've not taught people what it means to be mighty. 
We've not taught people, this, this is God's will for you. Yes, God wants you blessed. He wants you fed. He wants you prosperous. He wants you to receive the word of God. He wants you to be taught. He wants you to experience your, his presence. And then he wants you to turn around and pour out your life, making a difference for somebody else. He wants you to pour out your life, stopping pain for somebody else. That's what being mighty means. That's what being mighty means. We forgot what this was about. We, we, we miss the point when we think we do this just for us. We're not doing this just for us. Yes, you're going to come and you're going to get fed and you're going to be blessed and challenged, but we're doing this for the people cutting themselves. We're doing this for the people that are suicidal. We're doing this for the single mom, who the single teenager mom who just found out she's pregnant and don't know who they're. That's who we're doing this for. That's the giant we're called to fight. I, I read a story the other day about a church. Uh, I, I, wish this, I, I, I wish I was making this up, but I'm not. I read a story the other day about, about a church. Got in a fight, got in a split, church split, split. Because one group of people wanted a new pulpit. The other group of people wanted to keep the old pulpit. So they had a business meeting, turned into a fist fight, okay? Church split. So the old pulpit group took the old pulpit, went down the street, started a church or what I call a storefront curse posing as a church. Let me say it again. Storefront curse posing as a church because they did not understand the process of getting planted and serving. And then when you get ready for ministry, that house sends you. A lot of people have went. Not a lot of people can stay till they get sent. You know what Aaron, I preached on Aaron's sons last week. You know what Aaron's sons told, you know what Aaron's father told his sons? He said, look, you're called to the, you're called to the priesthood. This is what you're going to do. You're going to wait on your ministry. You're going to wait on your ministry. You're going to wait. I wanted to do this. I've, I've wanted to do this right here since I was 17 years old. I've wanted to do this right here since I was 17 years old. We're what, 18 years later now? because I hadn't been sent yet. I could have started. I could have picked a city and started. Probably would have picked somewhere where it didn't rain every Sunday. I could have went, but you don't know how good it feels to know I'm going to plant something and I've been sent by something bigger than myself. Because you can stand here and say, I passed the test. God processed me the way you wanted to process me. I put down my roots. Now I feel wings beginning to sprout. <laughs> I feel wings beginning to sprout. Same thing for you. Whatever, whatever the call, whatever you're called to do, it starts rooting in. Again, not here. Unless God tells you to be here. Listen, if God don't tell you to be here and you're here, ain't neither me, me or you going to like it. All right? If God tells you to root in, where if God told you to root in? I, I wish if I had a microphone, if I had a microphone to every Christian in Knoxville, I would say this one thing. Find a local church and get planted there. Just get planted there. Serve. 
Yes, you're going to be frustrated. Yes, you're going to disagree. No, you're not going to like everything. Yes, the music's going to be too loud. Yes, it's going to be too hot. Yes, you're not going to like what the preacher said. Yes, the preacher talked about your kid not being able to dance. You know what you do? Get planted. That's why David said, the Lord's on my right. I will not be moved. I will not be moved. Over the last 18 years, you know how many times I wanted to quit and go do something else? You know how many job offers I got to come to go be on staff at another church? You know how many job offers I got to come be on staff at another church? God didn't tell me to move. <clears throat> you get planted. You get planted. And you fight. Whatever the house, whatever the man of God needs you to fight. That's what it means to be mighty. You hearing what I'm saying? God will, when God promotes somebody, listen to me good, I promise I'm about to shut up. Whenever God promotes somebody, all he does is make public who they've been in private for years. For years. We didn't start preaching like this when we launched in January. We've been preaching like this for years. We've been going after God like this for years. Been planted in a house. He said, I'm God, you called me to you called me to be there. You called me to plant. You called me to root in. And I'm not going anywhere until you tell me something else. Amen. Stand up on your feet. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Just lift those hands to the Father right now. Father, we bless you today. We thank you. You are awesome. You are amazing. You are wonderful. Thank you for the order of your kingdom. Thank you for the process that you're taking every one of us through. We say yes. I want everybody to just say this with me. When I count to three, I want you to say yes. One, two, three. Yes. Come on. One, two, three. Yes. God, we say yes to the process. We submit. We bow down to your process. You are God. We are not. And it is your order. It is your kingdom way to get planted in the house of God. And so, God, whatever that, wherever that place is for us, wherever that place is for you, we say yes. Might not like the pastor, might not like the pastor's wife, might not like the worship leader. God, if that's where you tell me to go, I say yes. They preach about money all the time, but God, if that's where you tell me to go and you want me to get planted and give, I say yes. You want me to put my attitude on the altar? You want, to put, you want me to put my opinion on the altar? I say yes. I say yes. In Jesus' name. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy and your love and your grace. In Jesus' name.